Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, storytellers of all ages. Lend your ears to co-hosts Brad and Philip as we delve into the Marketing Your Attraction podcast. Welcome to episode 22 of the Marketing Your Attraction podcast. I'm Brad Jashinsky, your co-host for this podcast alongside Philip Hernandez. Philip, how you doing? Oh my goodness. It is... Uh it's been uh, quite the weekend. Uh, we're recording this uh, the day before the uh, symposium at Queen Mary, and I'm actually uh, in the Queen Salon uh, at the Queen Mary, which is where we're going to uh, have the event um, in, in between getting ready, ready to, uh, to set up. So yeah, you're, you're getting ready for the symposium, which starts tomorrow. And like you said, you're broadcasting from the ship itself. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. I hope it's awesome. You know, we, we go through extreme lengths for our listeners because we love them so much. Yes. And, and even more so than our listeners, Philip goes to extreme lengths on designing the symposium. So I, I'm excited that our next show will be talking a little bit about that. And we'll probably be sharing insights from the symposium for a few episodes to come. Um, but this week we have kind of a quick, quick show. We wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Midsummer Scream before we dive into our main topic, which is going to be about, you know, how to, how to think about and treat, you know, Yelp and TripAdvisor reviews. And we have, uh, I think we have an interesting take on this because uh, I know it's something that attractions struggle with all the time. Um, so we'll be diving into that in just a little bit. But Philip, you and I were just at Midsummer Scream. For anyone that doesn't know, Midsummer Scream is Southern California's like premier Halloween convention. This is their their third year, and it started out as a as a different convention a few years ago. But it's been uh, uh, it's been held in Long Beach for the last three years, and they have tens of thousands of people that attend it. And for me, it's really the kickoff of the the Halloween Halloween season out here in Southern California. They have incredible panels from Not Scary Farm to Queen Mary to Halloween Horror Nights uh, and also a ton of smaller haunts. Uh, so we got to uh, kind of walk the show floor yesterday. Philip, did, uh, did you want to mention anything from the show that, uh, that you noticed? I love the growth that the show is having 
um, just a great amount of attendees. They actually sold out uh, yesterday, I think, which means they reached their 10,000 uh, cap. Great job. Um, you know, the, the, the team, from a marketing standpoint, I think they, they, they do do a, a really good job. They've done a good job the entire time of keeping content running and, and keeping people engaged on their social and understanding, uh, having a really strong, uh, good voice um, that they're posting content from and um, partnering up with a few influencers and, and doing that. They, they do a, a lot of fun stuff. Um, in terms of uh, content, I was pretty busy running around doing coverage for the show. Uh, so I, I got to see a lot of uh, awesome uh, individual artists and some larger artists and all of the, a lot of the theme parks and other attractions came and, and did, uh, did displays and, and activations there. Um, it's just, it's, it's a great thing. It's, a, it's also a great lesson for a lot of attractions just, just in terms of seeing what these, uh, what these attractions put together. Um, I really liked the, uh, six flags coming in and doing a scare zone there to kind of represent their, uh, their event. Um, I loved it because it was a scare zone that they set up and it was a scare zone that they actually have at their event. So I, I like how it had that like kind of preview parallel, um, happening with it. And, I liked it, just that that idea of, of of bringing it all together so the guests can really understand what's going on and and showing their representation there. And they had a panel where they uh, announced a lot of their new uh, new content for this year. And uh, of course, they brought a lot of their scare actors uh, to the show as well. Um, and I thought there was some nice touches there. You know, they they announced how they kind of designed some of their characters for this year. Uh, some of the ghouls would be chasing around, and they had those guys come out so we could take pictures with them. So it was a pretty interesting activations from an attraction standpoint in terms of your marketing and what you could do with it. Um, and then I, I sat in on a few of the panels and record some audio, and I'm going to be posting some uh, some information uh, later uh, <laughs> after Monday. <laughs> it's like like get through Monday first. Um, but just really cool, um, really good content, you know, good, uh, good content, a good organization for the show. Um, a lot of great uh, activations, you know, Midsummer really has a good relationship with all the attractions in the area. So they, they try to involve everybody in, in a lot of different ways. It really shows a lot of what we're talking about, you know, because there's even with the influencers that are on a different level. You know, there's, there's your high level celebrities and then there's your theme parks and then there's your, your home craft groups. And they found a way to involve everybody uh, in the experience. Um, you know, the, the home craft groups kind of help put together the entryways um, and get sponsors for them. So it's, it's just great uh, from a partnership standpoint and, and everything they do is, is uh, I loved it. It was great. I'm, I'm sad. I'm, I'm setting up here, uh, putting together uh, binders <laughs> instead of seeing today's content. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really is such a, a fun show. And, and this was my, the first year I've, I've been able to attend as a, as a guest because you know, all of the other years I've been working for not scary farm and, you know, working on the booth or working on our panel presentation. So it was, it was kind of fun to be a fan again. And I, and I think the, you know, the great marketing lesson from Midsummer Scream is although they've grown and grown and grown into, you know, a bigger and bigger convention, it still has this like homegrown, like family feel to it. It doesn't feel too corporate, you know, it's organized and every, everything runs great, but without feeling, I don't know, they, they haven't lost that magic that the, um, you know, the first couple of years, you know, had when it was a smaller convention, they, they still maintain that. And, um, as you mentioned, everything from, you know, bigger attractions to, you know, Elvira to small home haunts were represented. 
ton of fun uh, vendors out there as well. And I encourage you to check out the hashtag Midsummer Scream to see all the different ways that attractions were marketing mm-hmm. at the show and around the show. And uh, one of the panels I wanted to mention briefly was uh, Epic Home Haunts, which is an upcoming documentary that's coming out later this fall that celebrates all of, not all of, but uh, it celebrates a lot of the largest, uh, most professionally done home haunts out here in Southern California. That was a really fun panel. It looks like it'll be a really interesting uh, documentary that's coming out uh, hopefully this October. Yeah, let's jump into the main topic. So the main topic this week kind of comes from some conversations I've been having with a couple of different attractions and I wanted to bring it up. It's all about how do you handle Yelp and TripAdvisor reviews and just review sites in general. I I think Yelp is probably the biggest in our industry, but TripAdvisor is, is, you know, right behind it. And there's also Facebook reviews and, you know, on the internet, people love to give opinions. So there's a lot of review sites out there. I'm hoping you know, our advice and uh, some of the, the studies that we'll bring up in this conversation can apply, you know, generally to any and all online reviews. And the conversation I was I was having, I won't I won't name the attraction here. But there there was some uh, there's some discussion about you know, well, we we don't want to be on Yelp. Like Yelp's evil, and we we got bad reviews on there, and it, it's it's unfair. And you know, I don't know, uh, should we be responding to them? Like should we try to see if we can get, take our page off of there? Like, uh, I've, I've seen, I haven't seen attractions do this, but I have, I've read articles about, you know, doctors and restaurants actually trying to sue, uh, Yelp reviewers uh, for negative reviews. Uh, you know, my biggest advice, and, and I want to hear your opinion on this opinion on this too, Philip is that online reviews are, they're here to stay. And, you know, if you can't fight it, which you really can't, you got to join them. Right. And I think having a, a really good policy about making sure that you encourage good reviews. We can talk about how to how to help with that through different surveying, but you also respond to negative reviews in a timely manner. It's really important because uh, usually Yelp has great search engine optimization values. Uh, so it's very likely that Yelp is going to uh, appear in the top you know, five to 10 search results on Google. Same thing with TripAdvisor. Yelp is very, very important too, because just in the last couple of years, Apple Maps on iPhones, which is the most popular smartphone in the world, has actually integrated Yelp. So when you search for an attraction or any type of business and Apple Maps, they're bringing in those review ratings and the actual reviews themselves into the Apple Maps app, which has just made it even more important. So that's always been my belief is, you know what, you, you need to be very timely, responding to customer reviews. You need to encourage positive reviews as much as possible. So it's much more likely that a guest is going to leave a negative review than a positive review. Whether you're just in general, like they're going to take the time out of their day, write a negative review when they're all charged up and they've had a bad experience at your attraction. Sometimes it can be tough to get a guest to spend the time to actually write a positive review. Uh, one of the best ways I've found to encourage positive reviews is to send out a quick survey. And if that survey is, uh, if, if they answer that survey and they're, they're happy about the results of it, and you can use a you know, survey tool like SurveyMonkey to do this. At the end of the survey, if, if it's a positive survey, you can encourage them to please go write a review on Yelp or TripAdvisor. Um, you can also have your 
your um, you know, guest services people, the your employees at your attraction encourage reviews. A lot of times there's like Yelp stickers to encourage reviews as well to try to get those review ratings up. So that's always been my, you know, my belief uh, that responding to reviews is incredibly important. And the nice thing is earlier this year, Harvard Business Review made a whole study about this and uh, we're, we're able to prove that when, in this particular case, they were looking at hotels on TripAdvisor that when hotels began responding on TripAdvisor through their, their study, they looked at all of the data on TripAdvisor specifically related to hotels uh, and had a whole team from Harvard Business Review analyze this. They were able to determine that when hotels began responding to reviews instead of ignoring them, they received 12% more reviews and their ratings increased on average by 0.12 stars. While these gains may seem modest, uh, this is a quote here, TripAdvisor rounds average ratings to, to the nearest half star. So a hotel with a rating of 4.26 stars will be rounded up to a 4.5, while a hotel with 4.24 stars will be rounded down to a four. So there, therefore, even small changes can have a significant impact on consumers' perceptions, end quote. So the big question and that the study had to answer after they found that finding was, well, why? You know, why are customers doing more reviews and actually increasing the ratings when they're seeing uh, management responding to these reviews on TripAdvisor? What they found is, and this is a quote, if the consumer notices a manager responding to past reviews, they might, might decide not to leave a trivial or, or unsubstantiated negative review to avoid a potentially uncomfortable online interaction with the manager. Once hotels started responding, they experience a sharp drop in the rate of short negative reviews. While longer negative reviews still cropped up, these reviews often contain constructive feedback that could be useful to managers trying to make changes, end quote. This is a really fascinating article, and it's a pretty quick read compared to some reads on Harvard Business Review, which can be pretty lengthy. It's only like three or four pages, and we have a link to it in the show notes, but I just found it fascinating because I think a lot of times when we're talking about marketing strategy, um, Unfortunately, with, with, you know, in our business, a lot of it's anecdotal evidence and opinions. And up until I found this review, I didn't really have a lot to back up other than my personal experience of what's worked uh, you know, on Yelp and TripAdvisor at companies I've worked with before. But now they've actually, there's actually a study that proves that attractions, or in this case, hotels, it, it really is, po it is uh, a positive and it is necessary to start responding to reviews on these review sites uh, when you see them. So don't bury your head in the sand when it comes to Yelp and TripAdvisor. Sign up for the business profile. You don't necessarily have to spend money to do that. Uh, not necessarily suggesting advertising on Yelp or TripAdvisor. That's a separate conversation. But make sure that you go in, you sign up for your professional business profile. You make sure your images are up to date, your descriptions are up to date. Do all of your, that, the hours on there. And make sure you're having these dialogues with your customers and guests on these review sites. And yes, you're going to get unfair negative reviews sometimes, but hopefully you, by responding, you can turn that into a positive review and actually generate more positive reviews for your business. And uh, what you know, studies have shown is more positive reviews mean more business. And uh, hopefully that cycle just will be able to continue uh, for your attraction. Philip, have you had any experience with Yelp or TripAdvisor? 
I'm going to agree with uh, what, what Brad said. I'm going to add a few things here uh, and give you guys a few little few reference points here. Um, so th- this kind of ties back into my whole, um, usually when I talk about social media, I'm like the biggest thing that, that marketing departments need to understand about social media. Um, one of the biggest things is that it is a two-way communication, whereas a lot of your other advertising is one way. And that means you need to understand how it's going to flow through and impact every part of your business. And therefore, you know, tracking these reviews, you need to have someone dedicated to going on and responding to that. That's a role. You know, it, it needs to be written into your job description of someone on your team. And whether you share that with uh, operations or customer service, or it's somebody in marketing, you know, it can be any of those fields because it touches all of those fields. But it should be someone who's trained in customer service. And it really does make a difference. It makes an enormous difference. And a lot of attractions get stuck into the uh, idea of thinking, just as Brad said, that they stay away with it or bury their head in the sand or think that um, because there's a negative one on there, they freak out. But actually the reality is with the, just, and, and follow me here, as I'm saying this, put it into your own head and think about what you do uh, when you look at reviews. Actually, what most people do is they look for the not perfect reviews. So having not perfect reviews on your ratings in actually increases the likelihood that someone's going to trust your brand. Why is that? That's because as we talked about previously, the trust crisis makes everyone sus- suspect of everything. However, if they go on and they see a three, a one, two, three, four star review out of five, and they look at what those people are talking about, if they think, see that those things that don't bother them, they actually trust that way more than a five star that says everything is outstanding. And I've done this and I'm sure Brad, you've done this just in our personal lives. You know, when, when I, I do Airbnb a lot, I look, I scroll through all the Airbnb reviews until I can find one that's not perfect. And I look to see what their problem is. Oh, I didn't, there's no street parking. I don't feel safe in the neighborhood. Uh, there were bed bugs. So, you know, which one of those actually matters to me? You know, do any of them matter? Are, is that person being overdramatic? Your customers are thinking all of these things. You know, if they look through and they see a bad review from a family that had a bad review at your park, but it's a couple, they're not going to care about that. So they're, but they want to see what the worst experience at your theme park is at your attraction. They want to see, people want to see the negatives. So you, it's useless for you to try and hide them. To Brad's point, you always need to encourage people to do it because, you know, people generally comply with things you ask them to do. So they will generally, your, your reviews, in it's not rocket science, your reviews increase when you ask people to give you reviews. Uh, the only other pointers I would give on this is you should decide where you're going to kind of stake your ground. Uh, it, it doesn't, as we've talked about before, you need to give people one clear call to action. So it doesn't work when you tell them, review us on all of these 10 sites. You need to pick. Do you want Google? Do you want Yelp? Do you want TripAdvisor? Pick one that you're going to focus on uh, at a time and run campaigns to, to get guests to focus on those one at a time and have somebody assigned to thanking people and to encouraging that and to fostering that customer service relationship. The last thing I'm going to add on here is about etiquette. Etiquette is enormously important. And I've heard it best described in a podcast between Tim Ferriss and Aisha Tyler, which is uh, episode number 327. And Aisha on that episode is actually talking about being a stand-up comedian. And she's talking about how there's always those hecklers in the group. And she's saying, you know, that the audience is 
cognizant of that happening. You know, they, they know they're, they're trying to, and they understand that there's a heckler happening. And she talks about all the, all the dimensions. Like, you know, sometimes they can't, the heckler's standing right next to you and they can't hear what you're saying. So if you, if you single out the heckler, then the audience just thinks you're being rude. And she's like, you need to understand that the audience is on your side until you make a mistake or until you are rude. And then they are not on your side. And, the, and I, that's the best way to describe it for attractions. You know, these, everybody watching is actually on your side. They're not on the crazy guest side. They're on your side. But they're only on your side until you make a wrong move. So you need to have someone who's trained in how to respond to customer service issues. You don't, and I have seen this so many times, I don't want to bring up names of attractions, but I have seen when um, attractions of all sizes have had someone respond in an inappropriate manner or get uh, personal or bring up uh, personal details or anything that is, is not okay. And that is exactly the wrong move. And that's what they, that, that's what the crazy guest wants because it gives them more ammunition. You know, you need to have someone who can come into this situation, address it, de-escalate it. And basically think of it like this. If all of, if the world is watching this negative review. All of my future people are watching this. So I want to handle this in the best possible way so that, so that they know that if this happens to them, which, you know, it's unlikely it will, but if it does, they know that we will handle it in a good way. So they're actually more trusting of us because they've seen how we can react to a situation. So I, I would recommend actually, uh, if you do have a chance to uh, go in and listen to that episode, because the way that she gives wonderful examples of how she's dealt with this from a comedian standpoint, but they're, they're exact parallels. Because I have been in the hospitality industry for quite a while and I've gotten really, really crazy people. We all have all gotten crazy people at attractions. And you, you really have to uh, have someone who's trained in how to handle those situations and won't flinch and, and will not, um, knows when to say it's our fault and when to not admit fault, right? It goes back to that, that classic training. Like uh, there are some things that you should apologize and there are some things that you shouldn't apologize. You know, if someone comes up and they say, well, it's really hot outside, why would you say you're sorry for that? <laughs> because you can't control the weather. So those types of things, having someone who's trained in those when you're doing the reviews is absolutely critical to getting this done right. But if you do it right, it makes all the difference, all the difference because just like we said, people want to see these reviews because they want to know what it's actually like. That's the whole purpose of reviews. You know, that's why they exist is for everyone to get a sense of what they're walking into and they want to know the highs and the lows and they be aware of the lows so they can plan for them. That's how people are. Yeah. No, those, those are great points. And uh, just two quick other points I wanted to, to add to kind of follow up to that. My, my advice too is you, you don't want to get into these back and forth threads, whether they're positive or negative on, you know, on the, uh, the review sites themselves. You, you definitely thank people for leaving a, a positive review, but if it's becoming a lengthy exchange, especially there's a chance it could become a heated exchange. The best thing to try to do is, is get that, uh, get that conversation into a private medium like email and, and say, you know, on, you know, Yelp or TripAdvisor or Google, Hey, you know what, we're very sorry to hear this. Uh, we would like to, uh, you know, can you please send us more details? Can you please contact us at this email? Then that way that exchange doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't get out of hand, um, but it's still looking like it's handled. Because I, I've seen, uh, to Philip's point, I've, I've seen some, some crazy, crazy, uh, um, you know, Yelp threads where uh, businesses are just making it worse by 
by trying to argue points with a unhappy guest in the public view of Yelp. And then as, as Philip mentioned, all of your, uh, everyone else that's visiting those pages are seeing that's how you respond to guests. And, and then also to follow up on, on Philip's point too, about making sure you have someone who's trained in guest service handling this. If, if you're a larger attraction or even a mid-sized attraction where you have a guest service department or a guest service person versus a marketing person, in, in my experience, this should really be handled by guest services and not by marketing because guest services is going to have the tools to be able to quickly help these people. Whereas the marketing department may or may not. And, and usually if, if they have to give uh, you know, a free ticket or a refund or look into the situation, they're going to have to contact guest services anyway. So if you can, if, if you have the luxury of having a larger attraction, it's not just you, know, you, and, you and a few people I mean, but if you're able to have that separation of departments, I would highly recommend having, having this responsibility live in your guest services, your guest relations department. So that's some advice about how to deal with Yelp and TripAdvisor and the, the fun and crazy world of, of online reviews. Maybe for a future episode, we'll, we'll just do like, uh, maybe for April Fool's Day or something, we can share some of our <laughs> crazy guest stories. Or, just, or just read terrible responses yeah. to guest yeah. reviews at, at, at attractions. Oh, yes. Yes. Because I, I have seen so many, so many uh, crazy guest uh, reviews and also bad responses. And mm-hmm. I've, I've even been involved in some of those. And yeah, it's, it's always interesting. That is I know quite a few people have written, uh, you know, books about their time working in, in guest service uh, <laughs> in, the, in the theme yes. park industry. Those books are always hilarious because the stories will sound incredibly, uh, you know, fictitious and, and uh, you know, out of this world. And they're all true. They're all, yep. whatever it is about this industry and just the hospitality industry, uh, it's, it's just brings out the, the best and worst in, in people. It's, it's people. It's just yeah. that we deal with people on a regular basis and, and that's how it is. But, uh, <laughs> well, I think that, uh, that wraps it up for this episode. Yeah, this wraps up episode 22. Make sure to visit seasonalentertainmentsource.com to sign up to get a free subscription to uh, the magazine uh, Seasonal Enter- Entertainment Source. Philip, when's the next issue of the magazine coming out? The next issue is coming out in September. So we release every quarter on the quarter, so September, uh, which means uh, I have to really uh, get myself into gear here after the symposium. We've kind of been on a, a freeze until the symposium is a uh, taken care of and and once that's uh wrapped up we'll be finishing up uh, those next uh, few articles um the theme for the next article is gritty teams so it's all about using uh, how to foster and how to use gritty teams at your attraction um which is i'm excited for that uh and then of course go to uh, www.marketingyourattraction.com to uh, sign up for show notes and to uh read the uh blog post we're going back through all of the old episodes and turning them into uh blog posts for those of you that prefer to read rather than uh listen so yeah awesome well that wraps up this episode philip have a fantastic symposium and we'll talk to our audience next week